Listen to WGN Radio's newest podcast, Behind the Badge, Illinois, hosted by David Hochberg. Behind the Badge, Illinois, views current events through the eyes of Illinois law enforcement leaders. Tune in. Visit WGNRadio.com slash Behind the Badge. Home sweet home Chicago. Can you take a picture, Joe, and send it to us? You want me to do what? I couldn't want to get home. Uh, yeah, where are you at now, Joe? Yeah, where are you at now, Joe? I'm in a friend's house about 10 miles away. What are you doing there? Yeah. Don't worry about it. Why are you at your friend's house? Yeah, what are you doing at your friend's house, Joe? Nothing you need to worry about. I'd rather not talk about it on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling. Now, here's David Hochberg and Home Sweet Home Chicago. 312 Shout out to Jane Bulin, who's listening, listens all the time. First listens to Lou, then stays tuned in to listen to us. So thank you, Jane, for listening. We appreciate that. Phone lines open, text lines open, photo lines open, 312-981-7200, 312-981-7200. Sarah Leonard team is truly the best. That's why they're number one from the 630 and from the 708 text, Ray, for you. If I paid my child's student loan off... Mm-hmm. Is there any way I can recoup any of that money if they do the student loan forgiveness? There you go, Ray. Okay. Is there is there is there a clawback clause in there? I thought it was going to be a nice compliment like Sarah got. <laughs> so I was waiting for that. Okay, so no. Um, so it depends uh, is the answer to that question. So if the federal loan, if they're if the loans are federal, and you paid them off during this COVID forbearance, any time between March of 2020 and... Past three years. Yeah, past three years. Then we can request a refund. And then assuming Biden loan forgiveness survives, then because your balance is going to go up as soon as they refund you that money. So you paid the loan off, they're going to refund you the money, then you're going to see that balance on the loan go up. People always forget about that part. And I've actually had a few people call me who were outraged that they requested the refund and then saw the balance of their loan increase. Of course, right? Right. So, but but then it'll be forgiven if if, if right if, if that Biden loan forgiveness survives the court challenge, and that is really up for grabs. It's fifty fifty um, because there are some really interesting um, but complex constitutional issues there. One of which is whether or not the plaintiffs have standing under Article Three to bring that lawsuit, which I have serious doubts about. But if they don't have standing under Article Three of the Constitution then they never get to the actual um, merits of whether or not Biden's loan forgiveness program is a constitutional executive order. So I was listening to the oral arguments. Sure. and They were very interesting. They were very compelling. Yes. The Solicitor General for the United States, um, so for the Biden administration, made a very convincing argument that the plaintiffs did not have standing to bring this lawsuit. And if they don't have standing, then... The case fails and Biden loan forgiveness survives. Um, if they do have standing and then we actually do get to the issue of is that constitution, is that order constitutional, then I think there's a real chance that it will be overturned. So we have to see. I think the best line of questioning was for, from a justice who asked the question to, I don't know which side, said, if a high school senior graduates and takes out $100,000 worth of student loans and goes to college or another high school senior takes out a hundred thousand dollar SBA loan to open up I think the example was a lawn and care you know, lawn care business mm-hmm. are we now going to if we eliminate student loan debt for the uh, college bound student are we going to also eliminate twenty thousand dollars up to twenty thousand dollars worth of the SBA loan mm-hmm. for the kid that didn't go to college and started his or her own business so 
I found that the most compelling argument out of all of the arguments. It, it listen, life isn't fair. We all know, you know, life isn't fair. But I just felt I just I listened to the whole thing, mm-hmm. and it was. And if I'm sure it's online someplace. Oh yeah, it's got to be. And if you want to listen, what about an hour? 45 minutes About to an hour, hour? Yeah, hour, maybe hour and a half or Hour something. and a half. Yeah. I forgot. It was, it was so fascinating. I forgot, you know, you know, how much time went by. It's fascinating to listen to the questions from the highest court in our land. Right. And see which way they're leaning uh, with the questionings. Right. And uh, it, with the questions that were being questioned. Right. And I think also um, a lot of people tend to think like, okay, well, this justice is conservative and this one is, you know, more liberal. So we kind of know how they're leaning. But what I thought was really interesting is that the justices asked very um, erudite and uh, detailed questions where you could tell that they were really thinking this yeah. through yeah. every single constitutional issue. These are brilliant people and they don't make um, knee-jerk decisions based on their political leanings because Amy Coney Barrett seemed to be kind of more on the side of the more liberal-leaning justices. And she's as conservative as it and gets. And she's very conservative. Yeah. And However, on a previous case that was brought um, in the uh, Wisconsin district, she shot that case down, challenging the student loan for forgiveness because she said that they didn't have standing. So they're not deciding these issues really based on their political beliefs. And I thought that was really, um, you know, very reassuring. Yeah, refreshing. (laughs) Right. Very refreshing. Hi, can uh, Navient student loans be forgiven? That that's from a eight one five. That's for a two part question. Okay. So number one, can can Navient loans be forgiven? So Navient services both federal fell loans that's that old fell loan program and they also service private student loans so we need to see whether or not those are the old federal loans because those we can get forgiven but there's a process and it's very important there are deadlines here so in order to turn that navient federal loan assuming it is one um, into the right type of federal loan that can be forgiven we have to do a federal consolidation before may 1st of this year so there are things that we would need to do there's a second part to that it was once a parent plus loan so that makes it a federal loan Mm -hmm. right uh and we've been paying on it for 12 years so you have a parent plus loan for 12 it's a federal loan right so navi so that that's the tell right there sort of because um there are private lenders who also name their private loan programs for parents really (laughs) parent plus loans yeah and so that's why there's a lot of confusion out there so we do have to check and see just make sure it is a federal loan that's being serviced by navient and then we can probably get it forgiven yeah i paid my student loans i knew it was a loan obligation and damn well paid it there's another texter that's the that's that texter's appearance opinion people want money back they already paid down on a loan what no way uh, that is not right. They signed a document. It is a contract. So, so that's where we get into the push and pull of it, right? I signed a, I just bought my car off the lease, right? I've got a payment for the next 60 months. I had a payment for 36 months on the lease that I had. Right. So I, you know, I could see both sides of it. And yes. that's why, you know, I, I, I just have trouble when you, nobody's talking about how expensive education is. Well, Nobody's touching that rail. Yeah, I well, we do, and we, I know we do here we all do, the we time. We do here, and I do during my consultations, and I I really like 
our pre-debt planning consultations with parents and sometimes grandparents and the students, and I always encourage them to have the students there at the consultation because it's important to see this is what this degree is going to cost you. Yes. Here is how it's going to be paid back. Here's how the law applies to you. And, you know, also when they come in, sometimes they have private student loans and we discuss, you know, what was the plan here? It's really important to have a plan and not just to kind of um, make a decision and then have to kind of deal with that financial decision later. So as much as we can plan ahead, that's going to save people thousands of dollars. Let's dive deeper. We got to hit a quick break. Don't mean to cut you off at the bottom of the hour. So let's dive a little deeper. Sarah's got to want to chimes, want, wants to chime in, but let's dive deeper after the break yeah. on the consultation, what it is, walk us through a consultation, and then we'll bring Sarah in with her question. This is Home Show Chicago, 312 981 200. That's the Megapro's call, text, and photo line. We're going to throw it over to Donnie and uh, Andy in the newsroom for the news, traffic, and weather. Now, here's David Hochberg and Home Sweet Home Chicago. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. That is the Megapro's call, text, and photo line. A lot of great text coming in here uh, for you, Ray. Sarah had a question for you, but I just want to throw this one out. True endowment funds at universities in this texture's opinion should be taxed. Yeah. So they, so they stop buying just real estate and pocket the money. Been to Northwestern lately, question mark. Then you've got crooks like Sam Bankman who gave Stanford a ton of money, no tax, and the tuition fees are outrageous. All this texture's opinion. So listen, Northwestern isn't the only college that's got a bazillion dollars worth of endowments. Most of these Big Ten schools, Harvard's got, what, $20, $30 billion, something ridiculous? Yeah, even some schools, you'd be surprised. Billions of dollars, University of Minnesota. I mean, just billions with a B, billions of dollars in endowments. And they're still charging out-of-state kids 60 to 70 grand. Notre Dame adds up to 80. 80 grand a year, yeah. And, um, you know, we were just talking about this off the air. Uh, Part of our pre- college planning consultation involves looking at what it takes at that particular school. If you know which school your child wants to go to, how to reduce the amount of tuition that you're going to need to pay. And a lot of times, like with Iowa, Missouri, um, it's not that difficult to get um, in-state residency, and then you're charged um, the in-state tuition, which is often much lower than they charge for out-of-state tuition. Um, but it's like sixty-six percent less at the University of Iowa because my daughter oh, wow. just got into the University of Iowa. Right, it's substantial. That's so, yeah, very substantial. Thinking about just buying a house in some mm-hmm. backwater town in Iowa and say, like, "Hey." I live in Iowa. Right. Well, and I guess then, I just let that out of the bag. That's not going to work. Oops. Hopefully, nobody at the University of Iowa admissions office and financial aid office. Listen, but uh, but go ahead. Well, also at the financial aid office, there are a lot of usually there are a lot of resources there that most people just don't know that there's money that you just need to ask for it. Um, but the financial aid office really can help guide you. They'll give you money for a computer. They'll give you extra money. They again, they have so much money they need to give it out, and people just don't know and they don't ask for it. They're also really good resources online um, 
to that curate different scholarships. I know we've talked about one before that I really like is um, Scholarship Owl, and they curate all of these different scholarships kind of all in one place. So you can log on there and pretty much for any school, and then it guides you as to how to apply when the deadlines are. University of Alabama gives, I think it's a $25,000 a year scholarship for keeping your GPA above a 3.4, if I'm not mistaken. That's huge. Huge. You know, so then I would have never qualified for that, but, but it's huge for <laughs> less, the smart kids out there. Less than less um, in terms of loans that you need to take out. The other thing people don't realize is that there is a cap on the amount that the student borrower can take out for undergrad. The Department of Ed views your undergrad education as your parents' responsibility. That's why, in their view, you are a dependent up until the age of 24 or if you're in the military or married. So you're a dependent and they know that kids don't have good credit. They know that they're not good credit risks. So there's pretty much a cap on what the student can take out. It's going to be about $5,500 a year, $6,000 a year. But back up the truck on the parents and load them up. That's right. So then the burden falls on the parents. Loading up the parents. It falls on the parents well, to- Back it up. <laughs> we can get another another oh, 50 grand. Geez. We could squeeze another 50 Gs in there, no problem. That's <laughs> what they do. But doesn't that make more sense, though? No. Because these parents have more credit history and are more stable financially. They don't so do an ability- to, Right. But on the credit- I agree. I'm not arguing with you. But on the ability to repay, when you go to get a mortgage, right. 9.9 out of 10 of these, that what I see on credit reports every single day, if they pull the same ability to repay, like we have to put people through when they go buy a house, okay, you have to have an ability to repay, mm-hmm. okay, and the ability to repay with $200,000 worth of student loan debt, some of them are $400,000 for their kids, there's no ability to repay. And that would be a usury loan, which is illegal for a licensed loan officer, Here's, with an NMLS number. Here's why it's different, though. Right, I know. It's it, not it, that it's right, but it's different, it's but it's very, wrong. It's, no, it's, it's not because those are very different industries. So for a mortgage, you, a mortgage, you have a secured debt. It, the debt is secured by the property. So college loans are unsecured debts. Right. So there's that distinction. But also... There's a statute that governs what you have to pay depending on your circumstances. So if you're making $300,000 a year, you're going to pay back that federal student loan in full, and you should. Correct. Um, If you fall on hard times or you lose your job or you have a, a terrible illness or you're retired, the loan payment is going to be commensurate to your earning and your situation, which makes sense. But do they so, tell you that when you take the debt out? No, nobody that, knows I think that. that's the problem is right. families that don't have those earnings don't know that. Exactly. I, didn't, I didn't know that. And we right. deal with finance every day in my industry. Tracy? Uh, you have to be careful telling people that they can get the $25,000. My oldest daughter went to Alabama and we heard the same thing. She graduated summa cum laude, 4.05. And, uh, Thank God your wife's a genius. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, believe it. Yeah, I, I yeah, picked her I, smart. Yeah, nice job. Yes. But anyway, uh, we asked about that and the, the, uh, she was an athlete and the athletic director said to, Go and talk to them about that and fill out the FAFSA. And I did all of that, filled out FAFSA, and they said I don't qualify because of income. You don't qualify for federal student loans, but you should qualify for, she should qualify for that scholarship if her GPA was at that level. And that's up to the school. It's not up to the Department of Ed. Well, they told us because of income, we she didn't qualify for anything other than her athletic scholarship. Should have went to Ray. Interesting. Um, so... 
there, so there is some confusion because FAFSA is information that you fill out each year and it has all of the parents' information because, again, the Department of Ed considers the student to be a dependent. So the information in FAFSA, that's the free application for student aid. What does the student qualify for? And they take the information based on what the parents earn to apply a formula called the estimated rate of family contribution, which does not necessarily bear a resemblance to reality. And it's proprietary, so I don't actually know the exact formula. But based on that formula and the information in FAFSA, generally speaking, the ch- the student is not going to qualify for more than 5500 or 6000 a year in federal student aid. Um, now, if you can get in addition to federal student aid scholarships based on GPA, athletics, or I mean, there are so many scholarships that are available, then that further reduces the amount of federal parent plus loans that the parents would need to take out. So that's what we look at in order to determine, okay, here's, let's say you get no scholarships, here's the maximum amount that federal parent plus loans you'll need to take out. And based on your income, here's what you're going to have to pay back according to the statute. So we have a lot of clarity and we have a lot of, um, we can give you a strategy and a plan that you can count on and you don't have to be nervous is going to change. Sarah, I had a question for you before the break. The question I had was, when should someone start planning? So I have a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. My dad has a 16-year-old son. And it's like, what's too early? And is there a too late? There. Uh, so I say, honestly, the earlier, the better, because you can open up a 529 account. You want to do the one that's in your um, state. Mm-hmm. So Illinois has a, a great one. It's called Bright Star. Mm-hmm. So basically, that's a, a tax-free um, kind of a savings plan. And you can have everybody in your family donating to that 529 account. Um, and, you know, maybe instead of, you know, your uh, grandma and Aunt Nikki, you know, uh, giving your kids presents for every birthday, Christmas, for everything, maybe they just donate to that 529 mm-hmm. every year. And you would be surprised how much that adds up. And by the time your little one is ready to go to college, you're going to have a a significant chunk in there to take care of of college debt. And, you know, we always say to kind of take a, a look at college debt as a pie chart. So some of it is going to be scholarships. Some of it is going to be your 529. Your grandparents can, or, or the child's grandparents can open up a 529 as the trustee with your child as the beneficiary. Mm-hmm. And that is left off of FAFSA. Mm-hmm. And so it does not count against your child in terms of what they can qualify in terms of their own federal student loans. So you can have a 529 and your parents can have a 529 for so, your children. So if with me having a three-year-old, me still starting this process with you now would make sense. Absolutely. And my dad starting with his 16-year-old still makes sense because there's still a- strategy. Yeah. Right. There's a So let's say you haven't done anything and you've got a 16-year-old and it's you know getting down to the wire. So, all right. So there's no 529 savings, but there are scholarships and federal student loans. And then the key is to know who should borrow the federal parent plus loans, because that makes a huge difference too. Because if you have, if you're a parent who's going to be working in the public sector, Mm -hmm. you might only have to pay for 10 years and get a huge chunk of the balance forgiven. Whereas if you're in the private sector, um, it's going to be a 20 or 25 year repayment term and you likely will pay off the entire balance. How old is your dad? 
62. God bless him. High five him for me, would That's you? That's right. Nice job. <laughs> Living large. I'm doing the math here. I'm like 16-year-old. <laughs> guy's got a lot of energy. Yeah, uh-huh. Still getting after it. Yeah, I, got, got, I like this guy more now than I did after we, yeah, before we had that coffee a couple of weeks ago. If our listeners want to reach out to you, we got to hit a break. What's the best number? Sure. 312-294-8989. Uh, the universe. I upset somebody in Iowa. I, yes, you did. Oh, but you only said backwater because of your boat. I had a Just, boat. I've yes, got exactly. a low bottom boat. And I, I like it to be on backwater, so it's so easy. nobody can see how big it is. Correct. Right, <laughs> and it's easier to maneuver in the backwaters of Iowa. Exactly. And if you know Iowa, you know there's a lot of backwaters there, and they're great fishing. Uh, the University of Iowa is a great school, and we have cities here in Iowa, not backwater towns, with an explanation point. So Iowa's that, a fun school. So that means uh, she she doesn't need any insight, in, enticement to have fun. This one will have fun in a dark room. Okay, so she's looking forward to going to University of Iowa. A bunch of my friends went there. It's a phenomenal school. Yeah. So I apologize for upsetting anybody in Iowa because <laughs> we're licensed in Iowa. And if you need a loan in Iowa, we'd love to help you. 312-981-7200. 312-981-7200. That's a Megapro's call, text, and photo line. We're going to come back with Sarah Leonard of the Sarah Leonard team after this break home sweet home chicago at 720 wgm